Hi, I'm Fred Burton, and I'm very excited to host this special episode as part of our Protective Intelligence Honors Program, a program we developed at the Center for Protective Intelligence to celebrate the top pioneers and thought leaders in physical security. We are recognizing professionals who have driven new shifts in novel practices and are contributing to influencing and advancing the physical security and protection industry. Today, I'm speaking with one of our honorees, Keith White. Keith is the Senior Vice President and Chief Global Safety and Security Officer at Salesforce to discuss his views on leadership, changes in the physical security space, and more. For his complete bio, please visit our website at protectiveintelligencehonors.com. Keith, welcome. Thank you, Fred. I really appreciate you having me. Very flattered. It's our honor, my friend. Keith, how did you get into the security industry? Well, I, I just have to say, you know, like I'm sure so many others, uh, I fell into it. Um, this was not uh, my plan coming out of college. Um, I, I received my undergrad degree in law enforcement uh, administration, and I thought I'd pursue a, a career at one of the agencies or um, state uh, 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 law enforcement agencies or what have you. And right after I, I, I came out of college, a, a buddy of mine called me up and said, Hey, there's this loss prevention job. They want me to interview for, um, but I already, uh, have a job. So I gave him your name. Is that okay? And I said, absolutely. By the way, what's loss prevention? And, uh, <laughs> we didn't know, I didn't know. And so I went on the interview uh, a little bit on a lark just to kind of explore it. Plus, at the time, I didn't have a job. I was working the midnight shift um, at Burger King, of all places. So this looked really attractive because it was a daytime shift job. And I got into the interview process and I was like, oh, my goodness, um, I get to lead a team. Uh, I get to investigate. I get to do all the things that I learned academically and I get to mix them with that passion I have for business and driving uh, change organizationally. I mean, it was like the perfect intersection that I didn't knew existed. And I just launched uh, uh, wholeheartedly uh, into it. Um, and uh, it really uh, paid off. So um, a lot of times I like to tell people when they ask me, um, you know, what's my background uh, and, and how is it I got this opportunity um, without having served in a law enforcement uh, uh, capacity uh, of one or another, I typically say I'm a first-generation security executive. I'm that new breed um, where I came through the academic uh, portal. I launched um, into corporate uh, security uh, world and career path my way to, you know, one of the uh, top jobs uh, in the industry. And there was a time when that was impossible. Um, CEOs were interested in people um, who had law enforcement backgrounds, uh, primarily because of their network. Um, you know, you weren't just hiring a security professional, you were, you know, trying to tap into a network. Well, I'm here to tell many uh, folks that it is absolutely possible nowadays um, to career path your way um, without necessarily having uh, the law enforcement experience. Of course, that's that's a benefit, 
um, as well, if you want to do it that way. But you don't have to uh, do it that way anymore. And I, and I think that's terrific. Yeah, that's an amazing story, Keith. Keith, what's the biggest change you've seen in the security space during your career? Um, you know, it's it's a little bit of a continuation of the story I just told. Um, it's really the evolution of the professionalism in our business, Fred. I think when I started um, in the industry, not that we weren't professional, um, but we weren't recognized as such. We didn't have a seat at the table. We were kind of a necessary uh, entity, not, not a valued entity. And I've seen this evolution um, where the security director um, has risen um, in a number of instances to the EVP, the senior vice president uh, role, um, where uh, they have full rights and a privileges and a voice and a contribution um, to the strategic direction of the company to the business, they're innovative, um, they're viewed as a absolute full uh, partner. And I think over the years, um, you know, leadership in corporations has recognized that security uh, professionals, um, if they do their jobs right, and if they really understand the business, bring so much more value than, you know, guards and gates um, and alarms um, and just uh, protection. Um, there's so many other avenues that we're able to um, meet and exceed uh, expectations of the business on. Very well said. Uh, Keith, where do you see the industry going? Well, I, uh, and, and pardon me for being a little victimized by uh, COVID, uh, Fred, but I really think we're in a position where, and I'm going to twist around a statement, you know, I think it was Drucker who said strategy eats, I'm sorry, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Okay. Uh, I'm going to coin one. Uh, health and safety eats security uh, for breakfast. I think that to in today's world, in the next two to four years or what have you, the security professional is going to become your health and safety professional who's responsible for security as well. And I'm not saying that the need for security is going to diminish, but the need for health and safety has increased so much that if you're a security professional and you don't have a hand um, in that world and you're not guiding and you're not owning significant pieces of that world, um, your responsibilities um, will be uh, subjugated to 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 a degree or another, and you and you really want to think about that. Uh, most security professionals I know um, are swamped um, with COVID nineteen um, issues, and based on the current landscape, that's going to continue um, in one way or another, especially if you have multinational responsibilities. And I think it would behoove uh, any of us who are in this business to really understand the demands that the health and safety end of our world uh, bring uh, forth. They've always been there, um, 
you know, duty to care um, and first responder, um, but they've morphed into this this whole nother world that I think we all have to have new appreciation for. Keith, how has a failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? Meaning, do you have a an example of a favorite failure of yours? I, I think I'm like most people. There's no such thing as a favorite failure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I can tell you, I have frequent failures. And um, pardon me for using a sports analogy, uh, but the best quarterbacks I've seen have really uh, limited memory capacity. They can throw an interception on one play and come back in the game and still throw down field like the, the previous play never happened. Um, they're fearless, fearless, but they also understand that mistakes happen and they happen on a regular basis. So my failure that I'll highlight in, in, in for, for the benefit of this, this uh, talk um, is a situation where um, there was an individual uh, on my staff um, who said he wanted to leave the organization. He just wasn't uh, feeling uh, inspired um, any longer. And I fought tooth and nail to keep him. I re I reorged the organization. I challenged uh, some of his business partners. I was an absolute uh, tiger uh, on behalf of uh, keeping him, yet he still ultimately walked away from the business. Um, because he said to me, initially, he was ready to go. I just didn't listen to him. And I remember my boss saying, you know, Keith, you took us through all of this stuff uh, to keep this this individual, um, but you never showed any objectivity at all. And going forward um, as a leader, if you're going to be effective, you really have to see situations as they are. And even though emotionally you may want them to be something else, you have to recognize whatever that emotion is and, and make sure that you manage it. Um, so that's an example of me learning from that uh, instance and that lesson stayed with me the rest of my career. Um, not that I ever want anybody to, to leave, but really listening and interpreting and understanding you know, what's at stake here and, and why is it occurring? And will my action, um, the counter it, be the most appropriate action in that moment? And sometimes it's not. Sometimes, you know, the best action is not non-action in certain instances. And so I've learned to modulate, you know, how I respond to situations and, and not uh, necessarily be so, uh, I think you can still be emotional, but you, but you you can not let that emotion drive you. So that was one of my failures um, that has really helped me uh, my entire career. But as I said uh, earlier, be prepared to fail, but fail fast and, 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 and keep it moving. Keith, I know that you're on the advisory board of the International Organization of Black Security Executives, the IOBSE. For our listeners, can you help us understand what the organization is and how long have you been a part of it? Sure. Uh, I'm really pleased to say um, that I've been a part of that organization for 28 years. Wow. It's an organization that started um, in 19, I believe it was the early 80s, I want to say 
82. And it was started by five gentlemen who were at an as is conference in New Orleans. Um, and they literally were on a street corner. They kind of ran into each other and they said, we believe we're the only uh, people of color at this entire conference. It's probably important uh, that we uh, form um, a network and support one another uh, in an effort to be um, successful um, in this industry. But more importantly, how can we um, open the door for others to be uh, successful in this industry? And uh, they they that they formed the International Organization of Black Security Executives, and it was not just for black executives. That just happened to be the name of it. it was really for anyone of of color. And over the years, this organization um, has helped literally hundreds of people of color, um, you know, find their path um, in the professional ranks of uh, corporate uh, security, but more importantly, um, allowed them to, uh, through the support network, thrive uh, in the industry and has also been a resource uh, for uh, colleges uh, and corporations to hire and recruit um, and retain uh, uh, people of color and also to support and guide uh, folks uh, who who want to be allies um, in this uh, space. So it has been a, a terrific experience, uh, Fred. I know you've uh, spoken um, uh, in front of the organization at, at one of our, our virtual conferences, and we obviously consider you an ally. So it's uh, it's an organization that I'm, I'm super uh, proud to be a part of. No, I was honored to be invited to speak, and I thank you for that. And Keith, we ask all of our honorees to describe what their everyday carry is. What's in uh, your everyday carry? Yeah, you know, uh, there's there's a couple of ways to, to answer that. Uh, uh, for me, um, you know, I believe communications is is super uh, important. So you you rarely will see me going anywhere without. Uh, I actually have two cell phones. You know, one backs up the other without my cell phones. I've been known to leave, try to leave the house uh, with cell phones, but without car keys, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, but definitely with cell phone, without wallet. Uh, and um, it's uh, I, I try not to be um, addicted to it in a in a weird sort of way. But I do know um, that it has become the equivalent of my uh, virtual office uh, resource. Uh, network, you name it. So for me, it would be my my cell phones. What motto do you live by, Keith? The motto I live by has little to do with uh, 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 diversity and inclusion, and and I just always try to be the best version of myself. Every so often, um, I'll I'll quietly repeat to myself, you know, you can only be the ver best version of Keith because you'll see people. Do something, say something, um, uh, impress you in a different kind of way, and you'll say to yourself, "Gosh, I wish I had said that, or I wish I could have done it that way, or I could have had that look, or what have you." And and I always go back and remind myself, "Nope, uh-uh. You, you want to be the best version of yourself because you're going to do things and you're going to say things 
in a way that people are going to appreciate too, because that's really the true value of authenticity and diversity is that we all bring something different uh, to the table. And I think a lot of times people forget that. And as a result, they end up considering themselves a less than rather than an equal to. Um, So I think it's extremely important for people to be the best version of themselves. And I remind myself of that often. Um, And and it works. Um, If you can be the best Keith or best Fred, you can be, um, you'd be amazed at uh, how many uh, heads uh, um, that turn um, along. Keith, what are the biggest changes you expect to see in the physical security space over the next one to three years? It, I think it's going to get really interesting, Fred. You know, uh, cameras have become ubiquitous. Um, ghost centers, uh, global security operation centers, uh, uh, GSOCs, um, have become virtual. You don't have to have them in one place. Um, literally, you can have one, you know, operate off your phone. As a matter of fact, we have some uh, GSOC uh, uh, agents um, who monitor things from the comfort of their own home. And at the same time, I think the physical workplace is going to change. It's going to evolve. You're not going to have as many footsteps um, in a lot of these uh, uh, office buildings um, or stores or or what have you. Um, So you have a changing landscape and then you also have a changing um, approach. Um, so, uh, the short answer to your question is, um, I think the digitization of monitoring, um, and, uh, threat hunting and identifying risks before they manifest themselves will increase exponentially. Um, I, I think the best physical security team and plan and approach will involve informing um, that employee before she even leaves her home. She'll wake up, she'll look at her phone, and she'll know what the threat landscape is. She may even have an update on the traffic, um, the fact that there was a major accident. Um, She may have an an update on the weather, and it will help drive how uh, she uh, plots out her day and for us security professionals, it will eliminate risk um, because we'll keep her out of uh, harm's way because we gave her that information she needed. Um, I think there was a time when we didn't start our security preparation uh, and protection uh, strategy until she showed up and scanned her badge or pulled into the uh, parking lot. I, I think those days are over. We absolutely have to be ubiquitous um, with our capability. And I, and I think it's here. Um, the question is, how do you apply it so that it's cool and not creepy? Yeah, very good point. Keith, is there anything I haven't asked that you would like to share? The only thing I, I would share, um, Fred, is I, I talked to a young lady, um, the daughter of a good friend of mine, um, who's a sophomore in college, and she's discovered this this security world as a, a professional career path. And he wanted me to, you know, kind of walk her through all the things that I do and, and you know, just kind of share with her uh, whether or not to, to try to get her to understand this 
this world. And, and he's an attorney. Uh, and uh, I thought it was fascinating that she wanted to kind of hear what I did and, and, and why I did it. And after we had the conversation, um, she was even more thrilled and more interested um, in the challenges um, and the opportunities um, that this career path uh, represented. And for me, that was an additional signal um, that we're in a space, a unique space. And, and I remember opening up my conversation with her saying that, you know, the role that I have requires a, a lot of nobility. I mean, you know, you put self last and you put everybody else first um, because you're really trying to, you know, develop a protection strategy that supports, um, that aids and that services uh, people. And, and my, my point here, uh, Fred, for all of the people who are contemplating whether or not this is a career opportunity uh, for them is that I, I would really recommend that they dig deep into it because this is an absolute uh, rewarding, interesting, challenging uh, career path. And I would put it on par with any other. Um, so that's that's the only other message I would leave is that um, there's, there's a ton of opportunity um, in our world and we need uh, smart, uh, bright, um, diverse people uh, to pursue um, these opportunities. Keith, I thank you for what you've done and what you continue to do and for being on the Ontic Protective Intelligence podcast today. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Fred. You're welcome. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.ai/center. Again, that's ontic.ai/center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Monte Verde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smoke and Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.ai or visit ontic.ai slash center for more information. And thanks for listening.